This is Ken Lubin, the host and founder of the Executive Athletes Podcast, and welcome to this week's episode. I want to thank everyone that's been listening, and thank you for the comments and feedback. They're awesome and an incredible help in this journey to making this podcast better and better each episode. Once again, this is unscripted and unedited, as I believe it it is the best way to get to really know the guest. Today's guest is the one and only Tyler Hamilton. Tyler is a retired professional American cyclist and founder of the Tyler Hamilton Training. He's a fierce competitor, renowned among his peers for his endurance and tolerance for pain. Tyler raced professionally for 14 years and competed in 11 Grand Tours, including the Tour de France eight times. In 2012, he released his memoir, The Secret Race, a riveting journey into the heart of a never-before-seen world which became a New York Times bestseller. Today, he spends his time between Boulder, Colorado and Missoula, Montana, enjoying a slower paced life after racing. And he loves still getting out there, getting after it and doing yoga, what I just read recently. So Tyler, welcome to the show. Hey, Ken, thanks for thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. No. So Tyler, tell us a little, you know, if the listeners, I know many of them probably know who you are and what's going on, but love to hear your story from your side. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I grew up back there where you, you're from, you know, I grew up in Marblehead, Massachusetts, uh, two great parents, older brother and older sister, and, uh, kind of followed my brother's footsteps as a, as a youngest brother, and he's a ski racer growing up, and so I kind of followed him along and became a ski racer myself, really pursued that up till, to the collegiate level, um, you know, I was hoping someday to go to the Olympics. You know, I had some some work to do, but I that was that was my goal really ever since I was like eight years old. And then um yeah, you know, uh I had an accident there uh my sophomore year training with the University of Colorado ski team and yeah, broke my back and when basically when I got out of bed they said I could ride a road bike and I had a little bit of history with road cycling because and ski racing, you know, one activity in the off season in the summertime was to keep keep in shape for the ski season was uh, cycling. So, um, yeah, when I got out of bed from this back injury, they said I could cycle. And, um, yeah, there I was in Boulder, Colorado, which is, you know, I had no idea, but it was a massive cycling town. You know, to this day, I mean, it's just ex- really exploded since then. And, yeah. You know, before I knew it, I was riding just with really top amateurs and professional riders in and around Boulder. And, you know, I quickly realized I was pretty good at it. And then, yeah, it, um, it just took off really quick. I was a steep learning curve and became collegiate national champion. And then, what, one year on the national team, and then I was professional. And then two years after that, I was on the start line in my first Tour de France. Wow. So yeah, it was a pretty steep learning curve, and yeah, it happened really fast. I think I was definitely one of the greener, greener riders to ever ride in the tour. You know, I, I don't know. I, I kind of felt like I wasn't supposed to be there, in, you know, in a in a way. How old were um, you? But yeah, I was at, Um, I think I was like twenty four, twenty five. Okay. Yeah. So a little bit older, but like you know, I started kind of late, and uh, yeah, I mean, I was I was green. You know, I was green. I had, it was hard just navigating your, your way around the peloton, especially when you're, you know, riding next to 
guys that you'd only seen on you know magazine covers and all that. So, um, but it was a real treat, real experience. But um, but obviously with that, you know, once I arrived at the top level in my third year as a professional, um, you know, the dark side of cycling kind of reared its ugly head. Yeah, and, you know, I was uh, introduced to doping starting like the spring of 1997 uh, through the team and. Yeah, it led me down a you know a wild path. You know, I wrote a book about it back in like 2012, and you know it was a wild ride. It was you know the good, the bad, and the ugly. I kind of experienced it all: a lot of highs and a lot of lows, and a lot of the in between. And um, yeah, you know, here I am, almost 50 years old, and you know, uh, yeah, kind of reflect. I reflect a lot on, on the past and what I've been through, and you know, I try to talk about it a lot and tell tell people like the truth about you know what happened and how it happened um yeah you know i so I spent some time doing that and i did a lot of that kind of public speaking i'd say you know after this book came out um and then uh yeah i've, I've had a coaching company since 2009 we coach cyclists and triathletes and you know mountain and road cyclists and, um yeah and for the last year and a half i've been kind of working in the financial world I work for a group in Denver called the Black Swift Group. So I passed my Series 65 exam back in February. And uh, yeah, you know, it's been a lot of fun. A, a totally, um, you know, different career. But, you know, I studied economics back in college, back in the early 90s. And, you know, it's kind of fun to go back, um, just, or, you know, back into just a, a new career and, and, and a new um uh, a new fo focus on life. You know, I I've always loved helping people and this is another way to help people, you know, making better returns on their money. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a steep learning curve, but it's been enjoyable. I like learning and yeah, starting to get my feet wet and, you know, helping, helping people, uh, you know, helping to change people's lives. And that's, uh, gratifying, really gratifying. No, it's, uh, and I can't see you anymore. Oh, there. And now I can see you. I'm back. Okay. I don't know what happened there, <laughs> but so starting, and I remember you, you know, racing in New England. It was, you know, you were just a rocket ship. It was amazing to see. I think our, our claim to fame was when uh, we're riding the O'Neill's team and you guys were CCB around the Quabbin team time trial. And we went by you guys. I don't know if oh, you yeah. remember that, but I remember you guys. I remember like, that. Yeah. You had a strong team. You were on that team. I was. That's yeah. great. Yeah. We were on that team were... and. That was the uh, the the, eight, the days of the Aegis bike and the Spinergies. It felt like we were, you know, oh, in right. the space that's program right. back then. Yeah, yeah, that was that's uh, cool. That's yeah, really we won. Cool. We won beer money that day. I remember it was. Uh, I think you did. It. Yeah, I think you guys handed it to us. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's right. So that's my one claim to fame there for all my listeners with racing with Tyler Hamilton. But I think you had had a flat or someone had a flat. So that's why we went by you. You were standing on the side of the road on that one. But uh, you take you take a win Those when you things get happen. a win. Yeah, that's for sure. For sure. And the team time, that's a great one, the team time trail. I wish I had more of those. It's uh, they're a lot of fun to ride. I mean, they're stressful, but they're a lot of fun to ride in. And I think they're a lot of fun to watch, you know. And that race, that was a crazy, you know, that was 65 miles. Of, that a that's right. That's right. Team time, 65 miles around Quabbin on roads that shouldn't be ridden on at the speeds we're all riding on, right? It was a step yeah. away from cow pastures. 
it's you know it's like doing parallel on a team through. time trial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're lucky we, we made it through there unscathed. <laughs> but yeah, but, I think we had Tyler Monroe on the team. Who else? Maybe Eric Gustafson. Gustafson. I can't. I can't remember our class guy. But yeah, we had Tyler Monroe. Who's, you know, he's a legend there in your park. Yeah, yeah. We had the Swinans. We had Vollers. Um, oh yeah. And uh, I think that, yeah, Greg or Jason Croto was the other one. He was the, that was our team at that point, but it was fun. It was, it was rolling. Yeah. But then, then he's still pretty involved in cycling, isn't he? He is. I think he was running, he's running the whole gravel series. He's running the whole gravel series in Vermont. So that's, and again, you know, like anything else, that's the new hot thing that's selling out in like minutes, right? It was a, uh, and that's a good, you know, and I love that. And I think that's really, Me I'm too. sure what you're seeing it, but the whole gravel scene, it's more laid back. You can race if you want, but you can actually go out and enjoy it too. I like it. I mean, I'm a little bit jealous, but I wasn't around when I was racing. I don't, like, but no, it's, I, I'm so happy, happy for all the riders, you know, doing it there. Um, it's, yeah, it just seems a lot more uh, just down to earth. And, you know, you're seeing these, ex world tour pros doing it now and you can you can look at them and they're just so happy they're so much more happy right i mean you know with like peter Stetna, like he's like he's just over the moon right now and, you know even during this you know crazy time right now you can just see, you can look him in the eyes that you know over zoom and you can see it he's just really excited and you know the world tour can kind of beat you down it's a t- it's pretty cutthroat I mean, there's a ton of pressure and uh so this you know this is like um on a step down, just a step over the side and different, it's a different way to race your bike. And I think it's cool. No, I like, I think it's going to get bigger. It's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, who knows sometime, someday it might be bigger than the road. Well, you know, you know, out where you are, there's a lot of dirt out here, you know, in new England too, there's so many, you know, dirt roads, Western mass, Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine that are just untapped these farming roads and these logging roads yeah just go yeah forever and ever here in uh, montana i think it's five to one dirt roads to pavement paved roads how did you end up yeah. in montana um you know i was living down in boulder kind of you know during that kind of controversial period of my life and um i'd lived there for a long time you know, I, I, was, I was a freshman in college there in 1990 and I just felt like, you know, this is, it's such, it was a huge cycling town. And I just felt with everything that was happening in my life, I felt like it was time to like, you know, just make a change. And I'd heard like Bozeman, Montana was like, a, it was kind of like a small boulder. So that was my like initial introduction to Montana. But then I heard about M- Missoula and uh, I don't know, I did some in- investigating and came, spent like a long weekend here and just really fell in love with it. It's a great, great town, you know, awesome people and down to earth folks. And I don't know. Yeah, that root movie, A River Runs Through, it's kind of based in and around Missoula, Montana. Nice. And that, that, that the author there, he, it was a book. Originally, it was a book. Yeah, River Runs Through It. And the author says, Norman McLean says, the world is full of bastards. The, number increasing exponentially the further one one gets from missoula montana (laughs) (laughs) i thought i always liked that quote it's pretty cool and so uh yeah it's been a neat place and uh 
I'm grateful to live here. And, um, it's also a nice treat too. I get down to, you know, the Boulder, Denver area, like for a work week once a month. And that's, so it's, a, it's been a nice balance. Um, right. Yeah. But you know, I just love nature. I love animals and we have a lot of wild animals out in, in these parts. And, uh, yeah. And it's been uh, a little bit cathartic for, for me. The first like five years living here, I've been here what, almost nine years. First, I don't know, four or five years. I felt kind of like I was on a retreat, you know, I didn't know that many people, but it was nice for me. It was just, you know, I kind of found myself again and caught my breath and, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was important. I needed to kind of step back a little bit and, you know, I, I didn't ride my bike for a long time, you know, only at like a charity event once in a while, but like just took a step back and I don't know. Now I, I'm in a much better place today because of it. I feel very, yeah, very fortunate that I had that opportunity to take a step back a little bit and yeah. And yeah, just, uh, I think a lot of people pause in my life, pause in my life. Like, I mean, my whole life I've been, you know, at least least in athletics, I was always, you know, trying to be the best, whether it was in ski racing or, you know, playing soccer or eventually bike racing, you know, it's just, I was trying to be better than everyone else. And I don't know, like it was time to like, just take a deep breath and a few steps back, you know, well, the intensity level of those sports when I came. Oh, oh, what was that? I said the intensity level of those sports, right? Is it's ridiculous. Your your life is based on hundreds of oh, seconds. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's always a little more you can do, right? You know, when, like in cycling, when you're sitting, lie down, or no, when you're standing, sit. When you're sitting, lie down. You know, it's like you can always be recovering better. You know, ski racing is is the same. You know, there's always something you can be be doing better too. Be be better prepared for your race. So, right. So yeah, it was nice to to it's nice to take get some downtime and um, yeah, see the bright side of life again. There was a so you know there were some dark moments. There it was just you know life was not fun and yeah. I mean I created it. I just do the poor decisions that I made, but you know it wasn't it wasn't necessarily the best environment to be in. And, you know. I'm glad it's, you know, I'm glad it's changed a lot. And, you know, I wouldn't want to see any other kid go through like what I went through or what one of my teammates went through or, or, you know, some of the, or people that we raced against, you know, that had to be wild, wild time for sure. Unbelievable times. Right. And, you know, and I'm sure you've, you know, you've talked to it over and over again, but you know, you had mentioned too about the depression piece that that must be prevalent in, so many of these sports, right? Of you know, you're fighting your own internal battles, never mind the external battles. Oh yeah, that was a definite definite battle. You know, um, I mean, you go through situational depression, you know, and then you know, some people suffer with clinical depression. You know, I think I definitely have a bit of clinical, but I went through certainly situational depression, just heavy moments in my life. You know most of the time during my cycling career where it's just, it was a lot of pressure, a lot of yeah, anxiety. And sometimes when you finally had time to catch your breath, because normally you're going at a thousand miles an hour all the time. But then when you had time to catch your breath, you're like, Oh, you know, I don't feel right. Or, um, and uh, it's not until you slow down until you can realize that. And, you know, luckily for me, I was very lucky to have supported people around me and people that kind of noticed that and, kind of nudge me in the right direction and yeah reaching out for help keep doing talk 
talk therapy and, you know, I was on uh, antidepressants for probably a decade and, you know, you know, so, so fortunate to just have the right people around me, you know, at the right time, you know, not everybody was so fortunate with that. And, uh, and yeah, then over the years, you know, you, you, you get more tools for the, your toolbox and you just understand how to deal with when things, when you don't start, when you don't, when you're, when you are not feeling well, yeah, you have more tools to use and uh, you understand where it's going and yeah, it's more, um, yeah, I, I think you have more control over it or that's certainly how I feel, yeah. And lucky, you know, like we were saying before we, I think, started recording was like, you know, when you start to feel off, like I certainly, I like to just get outside, go for a run or go for a bike ride or take, take my my dog sailor for a walk, you know, and, you know, 19 times out of 20, you're going to feel way better afterwards. And yeah. So. Yeah. What do they so say? You know, get enough, get enough rest and you know, eating right and all that. What are you going to say, Ken? Sorry. No, I was going to say no one ever comes back from a workout saying they wish they didn't do it. Right. That's the biggest thing oh, is totally. like you said, 19 right. times, 20 out of times out of 20. It's, it's huge. And I think that's, and, and you had mentioned too about taking the pause. And I think this whole COVID yeah. thing, yeah. I think people are starting to realize the pause, right? I think at first type A personalities, me included, were trying to push water uphill with a rake, right? Oh, I can get through this no matter what, everything. And yeah. then it's like, yeah. I can't do that anymore, right? And it's like, it forces yeah. you to take a step back and sort of like, all right, what's important? What do I, you know, what, what do I want to do? What do I need to do? And it's, it's a time to reflect. And I think being an athlete, you know, like yourself, then becoming a business guy and doing what you're doing right now, it's, that's critical for those transitions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So us- yeah. And slowing, yeah, slowing down a little bit, right. Taking some deep breaths once in a while. Like, I mean, we're all in this day and age and it's like, I mean, you could be working really 24 seven, like doing something and like, that's not possible. Like you got to take some downtime. You got to put your phone down or put it on airplane mode and like step away and disconnect, you know, and, you know, go out for a run without listening to music and just, you know, listen to your breath and get out. Like nothing wrong with listening to some music for sure. But like sometimes like nothing, you know, just, just get out you and yourself and get out there and enjoy nature and yeah. Enjoy hearing yourself breathe. Yeah. And then you can hear any animals that are coming after you as well. That's true too. Yeah. 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 I know. I don't listen to much music out on the trails around here. I'm it's sure. Dangerous. I'm sure. We were yeah. talking earlier. We yeah. were going up, we're skinning up my Washington over the weekend and my wife and another friend of ours heard like some big thump in the woods and they're like, what is that? Is that a moose? Is that snow? Or, you know, is there bears like starting to come back out of hibernation and it's, it gets yeah. you thinking. It gets your mind going. And I'm sure out there, there's way more animals that can kill you in New Hampshire So than in New Hampshire. There's a few, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just got to be, you got to be a little bit more aware here, and you know, have the right stuff with you, you know, carry bear spray with you at all times, or even when you're out mountain biking. Yeah. Right. But it keeps you on your toes, and it keeps you more in the moment. Sometimes, yeah, keeps you very in the now, you know. So you're in the, you know, you're in the heart of the whole cycling doping era and you're sort of, you know, a catalyst with the whole thing, you know, with, with where it is now, what do you think, what's the future of 
you know, cycling and future of athletics with, you know, with doping, what are your thoughts on the whole thing? It's, um, because, you know, did that bring it to a head and expose it or is it just going more and more rapid? You know, you, you've sort of been there, you can answer it or not answer it, but it would just love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where's the future of sport? I think so. Yeah. What's the future of sport? Yeah. You know, hopefully doping's behind us, but we'll see what happens. Well, I mean, we got to focus more and more on anti-doping and, you know, in education and all that. Like we can't just say it was a, you know, bad period. These were a bunch of bad people and just move on. Like, uh, anti-doping and education is super important. You know, people are, are going to, you know, I had teammates that, uh, you know, grew up on dirt floors, you know? So like, you know, why wouldn't they take a shot at EPO, EPO you know, if it's going to help them and their families? Like, there has to be education. There has to be, you know, people are going to cut corners. So they have to have like, you know, bulletproof tests, you know, tests that can detect, you know, what has been in somebody's body for the last six months, not, not six weeks or even three weeks, you know? So we need better testing with that, you know, that's, in, you know, education from an early age. And, uh, and also we need to, you know, fund these anti-doping agencies, you know, um, that's part of, that's a big part of the battle. So, uh, but yeah, we can't just bury our head in the sand and think it's all going to get better. Everyone's just going to act ethical and, you know, not cut corners. Let's no, I honest. loved what you said. If you're sleeping on the floor, grew up on a dirt, why wouldn't you, right? You've got nothing to lose at that point. You know, I, I mean, I don't know, shame more on me. Like, I mean, I, I grew up, you know, my parents gave me a good education. And, you know, I should, I should have known better, but somebody, you know, somebody with a, you know, grew up with, with a lot less than I did. Like, you know, I, I feel a lot of empathy for those individuals, you know? Right. No, I know. So talk to us a little bit about your black, what you're working on right now with Black Swift. It's an, that's an exciting thing, right? You're helping athletes with transition. You're helping with the pro cyclist fund. I think this is probably one of the most, or it's actually one of the coolest things I've heard in a long, long time. I think because there's so many people from college athletes to amateur athletes to Olympic athletes to pro athletes who are looking to make that transition. And it's, you know, it is an extremely difficult transition and you're changing identity, right? You're no longer Tyler Hamilton cyclist. Now you're Tyler Hamilton fund manager, right? All of a sudden, and that, and it's taken a long time to do it. I'm not, I'm just using you as an example, but it could be anyone, right? Who goes from college football player to next thing you know, they're, uh, I don't know, whatever they are, head on a recruiter, Yeah, you know, talk yeah. to us about making that transition. I, I, I mean, well, for, yeah, first and foremost, you know, the transition for, for an athlete is it's hard. It's really hard. I mean, you know, some people get maybe a little lucky and they fall right into it. And I mean, you definitely have, have those people, but, you know, I can speak maybe from the other side. It's it's a hard transition for me, absolutely. And you know, I bumped around for a while, doing different things, and yeah, you know, it was hard kind of finding my way. And then honestly, I did kind of just take a few steps back and um, for a few years. And you know, I tried my tried my hand in real estate. I got my my real real estate license here in Missoula, and you know that just wasn't my thing. And, um, and yeah, you know, I met with the principal at Black Swift group, uh, you know, a couple of years ago and, uh, he thought I'd 
doing really great on the kind of de business development side of things. And, you know, I thought he was crazy, and, um, but he convinced me that it was a good idea. And um, yeah, here I am today. I mean, I studied hard for this Series 65 exam. You know, I passed that back in February, right before COVID hit. So there were a few months there, or yeah, three months there where I, where I was, uh, things were kind of at a standstill, I would say. And then, you know, I've been, since then, I've been um, kind of gaining some traction and um, learn, obviously learning a lot. And, but in the whole process, yeah, helping a lot of people. And that's been, that's been a great experience for me and um, kind of opened my eyes a little bit on, you know, on what we can do there at Blacksmith. And yeah, our uh, chief investment officer, Greg Casals, is a big uh, fan of the sport of cycling. You know, the firm's in Denver, but he lives in Boulder. So, you know, he uh, rubs elbows with a lot of the pro and top amateurs there in, uh, in Boulder and has a lot of friends there who are pro athletes. And, and he, he noticed that, you know, there's a real, um, if, you know, cycling is suffering a lot. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of professional cyclists, men and women in need, you know, on the legal side, on the wellness healthcare side, and then on the career development side. And uh, it's just lacking, you know, sure. There's that upper, whatever, 0.5% that they're kind of all set, but there's a lot of people, a lot of riders either riding without health insurance, or limited health insurance. Riders are uh, avoiding getting a lawyer to look over a contract they're about to sign. Uh, and then, so they don't use a lawyer, they sign a, you know, a terrible contract with all, all sorts of bad stipulations in it. Um, there, a lot of, you know, we're, with this, uh, this foundation is gonna, um, it's gonna help also with cyclists uh, you know, uh, with kind of a mentor program uh, where you know, a new cyclist will, a new young professional cyclist will be kind of paired up with a veteran cyclist. Uh, they'll help them during during their careers, but also working with uh, cyclists on their, you know, career after cycling, you know, like when I was racing, like the directors, the managers, they didn't want you thinking about your career after cycling. If you're doing that, you weren't being a professional. So. And I think that's wrong. I think you need to kind of keep working on some of the some of the skills that you have or a skill that you're you that interests you. You know, you can do that. You know, you have a lot of free time during during your cycling career. You spend a lot of time with your legs up on the wall, letting your legs recover, sitting there either reading or on the internet. And you know, you have time to maybe take a small, you know, a light course or do some studying in a certain category. Um, so that's another thing we're going to help out with. And so, yeah, we, we, uh, my, the chief investment officer, he created a fund back in June for the pro cyclist fund, a portion of the management fees go to this foundation, the pro cyclist foundation. Yeah. And it's going to help professional cyclists in need. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we've been helping a bunch of cyclists so far. I mean, we're really in our infancy stages right now, but, uh, you know, we're going to make a big impact you know, on the sport of cycling and it's exciting. And uh, we have a lot of support so far, a lot of, you know, professional cyclists getting involved uh, and supporters of the sport getting involved. So, you know, it's fun. It's been a lot of fun and uh, something that I'm passionate about and I hold it close to my heart. And, you know, I think we can make a big difference and uh, 
make this a better sport. You know, it's a beautiful sport, but obviously there's some problems within it. And this is a way to make it better. No, that's awesome. You know, and giving back, right? Giving back to what you love, I think, is what everyone tries to do in their career. And the fact that you're doing that is, is awesome because it's, yeah, you you you've seen it from probably more angles than most, and the insight that you can give there is just huge. It's right. It's like, hey, you know, I've been here, I've done this, I've done that. Here's some advice, and that is just invaluable, right? I think you've probably you, you've forgotten more than you've you know than most people ever know and that's you know and that's second to none right and and i think too it's it's so important even not just for cyclists but for so many olympic sport athletes right i think you know from right. nordic skiers to alpine skiers to bobsledders to to any one of those because you got to commit 24/7 but you know, working, working at Dunkin' Donuts or Home Depot in between is a tough thing to do in order to get your health insurance, like you were saying, or to help put food on the table along the way. Right. You know, a lot of European cyclists, you know, reach the professional ranks and, and, they, ranks and they just have a high school degree. So, you know, because they're really good at a young age. So, like, they, they went straight into it. Um, and, you know, why not work on, you know, some college courses during your career you know maybe you don't get a diploma in four years but maybe it takes you eight or nine but you know why not do that because um, there is life after cycling and there's a lot of life after your career a lot and yeah. uh and typically it doesn't end exactly when you want it to end nor exactly the way you want it to end um so kind of be ready for that you know a lot, you know, I don't, I don't know what it's like in this day and age, but back when I was racing, a lot of, a lot of the, of the European riders, yeah, they had a high school education and like, the, you know, they were going to go just straight into, uh, um, you know, working at a bike shop, nothing wrong with that, but like they, their option was to work at a bike shop or work as a mechanic on one of these pro, pro teams, or, you know, possibly if they were uh, the right fit to maybe be a director. But a lot there, they didn't have too many options. And uh, because of that, that also led them to take maybe more risks, you know, and obviously there was a problem back, you know, when I was racing. Um, yeah, you know, if it, all your eggs are in one basket, you better make it, you know, you better have a successful career. And so, you know, maybe that will help, will help on the anti-doping side of things as well. You know, people having options and people not feeling like there's only one road to go down, you know. No, it is. Right. And I think, you know, because sports is such it's on TV. Right. And everyone thinks that, you know, once you're a pro athlete, you're you've made it for life. And we all know, like you said, 0.5% sort of makes it for life. And then there's the rest of the people and you do have to have a plan. Right. You have to actually you, you have to think about that. And it's a uh, it's an interesting piece. And again, it's <laughs> this other piece of advice and I don't know if anyone listening or not is going to laugh at it but my mother always said to me if you don't know what you're going to do after whatever you're doing or you don't really know what you want to do at least go make money so then you can go have fun <laughs> doing stuff on the other side yeah. which helps as well there you know you, you sort of think about it it's like you know that does make some sense right it's you know it's some interesting advice and allows you to to go do to then go pursue what you want to do because it's work is work no matter what you say. Right. And I think that's, yeah. you know, that's and, the piece of it. 
Yeah, and then you can also help other people that way too. Exactly. Right? By giving back and yeah. Yeah. For sure. So that's we're that's good advice from your mom. <laughs> so so where can people find you? We're coming up here on a half hour. Where can they, you know, reach out to you? Where can they check out your stuff that you're working on to uh, you know, hear about this Pro Cyclist Fund and the foundation? Yeah, you know, there's information there. Just Black Swift Group, their uh, their webpage. Uh, so you Google Black Swift Group. Um, yeah, I also have a small coaching business, Tyler Hamilton Training. Um, been doing that for yeah over a decade now. That's been a lot of fun. And yeah, I also uh, spent a lot of time um, giving my time back to this uh, nonprofit called Can Do MS, helping people and their support partners live uh, a better life with MS. And uh, so yeah, that's. The Google can do MS. I knew the founder really well. Who was a can? He was a ski race, racer, Jimmy Hugo. Okay. So Jimmy, uh, yeah, Jimmy um, was a friend of mine for the last probably seven years of his life, and he passed away due to MS complications in 2010. But he was a founder of this um, foundation, and uh, you know, just really inspiring person. He was uh, the first. Um, was it the, he and Billy the Kid were the first Americans to win uh, Alpine gold medals? That was in 1964. By 68, Jimmy was like, um, he was experiencing double vision in the Olympic slalom. So he had to close one eye and do his Olympic slalom. And then by 1970, he was diagnosed with MS. And back then, they didn't know what to do, the doctors. And they, they told him just to sit, sit on the couch, basically. And, save his, his energy and you know did that for a couple of years and found himself really just down and depressed and uh and he got off the couch and just did what he could do and um that was his motto like what can i do and um and it changed his life he, he lived a really fulfilled next uh what you know 40 year, almost 40 years of his life but just getting out and doing what he could do and you know uh, started a foundation, Jimmy Hugo Foundation, which eventually turned into Can Do MS. And uh, yeah, really inspiring person. I met him at you know, one of the hardest parts of my life in uh, the fall of 2004. And uh, you know, he had a lot. He had a, he had a lot of cards stacked against him at that time, but he had such a great attitude. And um, I just took a lot of inspiration from that. He really changed my life. So. Yeah, I'm on the board of directors there, Can Do MS, and uh, you know you can check that out and give nice. time, donate some time, and uh, you know, yeah. So uh, yeah, it keeps me busy. I live here in Missoula, Montana. Yeah, down in Denver at the office, like once a week, uh, once a for a week every month, probably something like that. And uh, yeah, I have a great girlfriend who's got two kids. Uh, they're awesome, and a golden retriever named Sailor. She's a, about a year and a half and uh yeah my life now is pretty uh athletically i don't know i ride my bike maybe once or twice a week you know once in the winter maybe twice a week maybe during the summer and do some hiking and a little bit of jogging and some yoga what else? yeah i enjoy bike packing that's been a lot of fun um you know it's really slowed down bike racing <laughs> it's um yeah, it's a lot. I enjoy that. Yeah, I'm not very competitive anymore, but it's, uh, but I do like, uh, you know, getting outdoors and exercising a little bit slower and kind of being able to look around and 
take pictures and smell the roses a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's amazing what you but can yeah, see when you go slower. It. Right? It's, uh, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. You see stuff on the side of the road you never saw before when you were just training or walking. Yeah. You know, just going for a walk is remarkable to see. It's like, huh, I never knew that was there. Oh, I never knew that was there. Right. It's, it's absolutely amazing. And I think that's what's sort of fun about, you know, like you said, like slowing down is like you, you never see the stuff that you ever saw before. And, and it's so fulfilling. And that's one of the things I love yeah. to do in New York City. Instead of taking a cab or anything, I just walk. Because when you walk yeah. in New York City or even any, even out in Princeton, you know, you're seeing foundations you never saw before in the woods. And you're seeing, you know, unique stuff that is, that's super cool. So, no, I love what you're saying there. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's a little bit like the beginner's mind, right? Just noticing new things. And, and uh, yeah. I enjoy it. Yeah. Like, you know, life's, uh, I feel lucky to be where I am today. Absolutely. Um, life calmed down a little bit, <laughs> which I'm super grateful for. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's been fun. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying myself again. Perfect. Well, Tyler, this was awesome. I know you got a busy afternoon, but it's been an honor to have you on here. Thanks for being part of this. I, I really appreciate it. Hey, good to see you. Let's go for a bike ride or a ski sometime or yeah, or go skating up Mount Washington. That'd be a ton of fun. I'd like that. My, my folks met on Mount Washington and I grew up skiing at Wildcat right across the way. So that'd be yeah, fun to get back there. So maybe we can do that sometime. Yeah. Let me know when you're back. And if anyone has any questions, comments, or feedback, email me at kenandexecutiveathletes.com. Keep on rolling and thanks for listening.